Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, your liberty-loving Latino amigo right here, 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden in New York City. And AOC and dozens of House Democrats are citing racial reckoning, quote-unquote, to oppose targeting gang members for deportation. Now, if you thought it was crazy, when all-out crazy, AOC, our least favorite congresswoman from the Bronx and Queens, decided to abolish ICE... You were right. It is all out crazy. If you thought it was all out crazy when she decided to um, throw out her idea for the Green New Deal, you were right. That was AOC all out crazy too. But now she's saying that we have to take note of this racial reckoning to oppose the targeting of gang members for deportation. So... Congresswoman AOC and 34 other Democrats are now objecting to the deportation of aggravated felons. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is leading a group of House Democrats, her colleagues, in a letter to federal immigration officials demanding an overhaul of immigration policies and objecting to gang members in the country illegally being targeted for deportation. Now, I don't know how crazy... It gets when you're AOC all out crazy, but apparently she thinks that's okay. Now, I don't know if these are MS-13 or other gang members, but I just heard a former immigration official say that one person that was denied asylum and deported came back, made his way in and hit somebody over the head with a metal pipe. That aggravated assault did not qualify them as an aggravated felon. So let's just put it that way, that this aggravated felon status, you've got to do something terribly bad to get this status. Yet AOC saying, no, we got to keep the aggravated felons here in the United States. AOC and her uh, 34 buddies in the Democrat Party, they sent this letter to the Department of Homeland Security uh, Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas and to ICE as well. Tay Johnson, who's the director there, calling on them to change immigration policies that rely on the United States's, quote, discriminatory legal system. The lawmakers claim an interim enforcement memo issued by ICE does not adequately protect the liberty interests of asylum seekers. That's funny because I think all of this massive immigration doesn't protect my liberty interest. And I'm an American, but okay, let's continue. Including those convicted of aggravated felonies. Uh, Specifically, to a, what they call, quote, border security and enforcement removal priorities. This blanket presumption will effectively mean detaining an untold number of people who have fled persecution, the lawmakers wrote. So they're making this case here that somehow we're going to do something that's unfair 
that we um, are somehow violating. Now, I'm, I'm not making the case that if you sneak into this country illegally, that you don't have due process and you don't have liberty. A lot of people say that. And look, I, I just don't believe that. I think the law of the land is the law of the land. And as such, if you're an aggravated felon, I think you should be kicked out. That's pretty much the law of the land. And I think we have to be more focused on enforcement rather than being so selective with the enforcement. So AOC's tweet reads that uh, she called on her 34 colleagues saying, we need humane and just immigration policies that aim to end mass incarceration, criminalization, and deportation of immigrants. Now, this is an ongoing trend that we see from the left. They want to end criminalization. They, they don't like the idea of a lot of people being in jail. Only a few people should be in jail, in their opinion. And, and that's okay. I'm not advocating that jails should be filled to the max. I'm not. But I am saying that this idea is a constant one on the left. They're always focused on mass incarceration. This is what they talk about every single time. And if they if it's not mass incarceration, it's racism and they'll go to racism and white supremacy and this is why it's systemic and they go on and on and on. Additionally, this letter claims that the definition of an aggregate uh, excuse me, aggravated felony is a relic of the racist war on drugs. Now, I didn't know that the war on drugs was racist. Now, some people will tell me, well, come on, Rich, how could you not know that it was racist? A white guy that gets caught with white powder cocaine gets a different sentence than a black guy that gets caught with crack cocaine. And I say, eh, wrong, you're wrong, you're fake news. No, absolutely not. An individual that gets caught with crack may get a stiffer sentence than somebody that's caught with powder cocaine, but it has nothing to do with their race. It has everything to do with Biden's crime bill and the Rockefeller laws. So I would not be so quick to say it's systemically racist. Now, they'll say, well, now you're just being naive, Rich, because you very well know that more people of color, POC, or I think they're called now BIPOC, not to be confused with Tupac, but BIPOC, black indigenous people of color, are more apt to smoking crack cocaine than the more expensive version and they're making the case that because you're white you have more money and you can afford i have met so many white toothless meth heads and crackheads that i can't count them so i do not believe that we're going to associate a particular type of drug to a particular uh racial person uh persona you know skin color no i'm not buying it but aoc goes on uh, saying that aggravated felonies as a category have been designed to ensure that people have as few rights as possible to fight detention and deportation. Oh, well, thank you. It's good to know we've got somebody like AOC in our corner, right? Good old AOC. They're looking out for everybody but us, right? Like I used to say, AOC, aliens over constituents. Now, she goes on. Moreover, we are concerned that the memorandum only requires ICE officers to have a good faith belief that someone has an aggravated felony conviction, even while acknowledging that such a determination is a complex question. The letter continues. Now, these lawmakers also claim that the memo, quote, invites racial profiling by making a migrant who has been convicted of an uh, actively or intentionally participating in gang activity, a public safety enforcement and a removal priority. Well, duh. I mean, come on. Would you want a gang member in your neighborhood, let alone your country? So if you're an ICE officer and you know that this person's a gang member, or at least fits the um, the profile of a gang member, 
Now, ask a couple of questions. Say, hey, all right, sir, you have some tattoos across your neck, your knuckles, and your face that are indicative of gang life. But I just want to ask, you know, are you this MS-13 that you have tattooed across your forehead, does that mean that you're affiliated with the MS-13 gang? And, of course, this person being an upstanding citizen is going to say, no, of course not. No, I'm not involved with MS-13. I've just been a big fan from afar. I really appreciate the body art that they wear. So, I, you know, I've, I've you know, mimicked that body art by getting similar tattoos. But, no, I'm here as a... Uh, refugee seeking asylum and uh, have no gang affiliations. And that's what it's going to be like, right? Everybody's going to tell the truth and there's no need to profile anybody. Now, of course, they're claiming that leaving this to ICE agents to determine whether someone's been convicted of a crime shouldn't be left to an officer's discretion or a good faith belief. Going on to say, it's well documented that law enforcement's practices of labeling people as gang involved is often faulty based on arbitrary and racist factors and not subject to due process. You know, it's funny. If a guy is walking down the street, white guy, shaved head, aviator jacket, you know, kind of skinny jeans, rolled up at the bottom, Dr. Martin boots, uh, has a swastika tattooed on the side of his head or his knuckles, uh, maybe white power tattooed across his knuckles. Is it fair to say that we believe this person is an Aryan nation white supremacist? Part of a gang, part of a terrorist organization. I would say, hell yeah. I mean, what is the problem here? This isn't about people of color. This is about if you look like a gang member, you look like a gang member. I mean, this is how I was raised by my parents. They told me in Spanish, but this is a saying in English. Dime con quien andas y te diré quien eres. Show me who you hang out with and I'll tell you who you are. I think everybody knows this. Don't shave your head and put on the aviator jacket and, and Dr. Martin boots and, and tattoo a swastika on your head if you're not a Nazi. I think that's pretty basic. Don't put the MS-13 tattoo on your face and little heart drops or whatever it is, teardrops, on your face if you don't intend to look like an MS-13 gang member. I mean, I, I think this is clear as day. But they feel that we are in a moment of racial reckoning right here in the United States with communities across the country calling for an end to mass incarceration and racist policing. Because, you know, we talked about in the last episode, now if you're a cop, you can't even uh, be gay anymore, right? They're kicking out the gay cops from the gay parade in New York. And now they're, they're saying you, you're a racist if you're a cop at the border, if you're Border Patrol, if you're doing any of that, if you're calling out people that look like criminals that may potentially have a criminal record, you're the bad guy. And this article goes on. It's on Fox News if you want to check it out. I'll tweet out the the, uh, link to it. But let me tell you, this is a farce. The whole thing is fake. The whole thing is phony. The whole thing is fraud, in my opinion. This is AOC once again trying to focus on anarchy, trying to push an agenda that has no end. People call and they say, you know, Rich, what do you think is the uh, end game here? This isn't about an end game. This is about galvanizing people. This is about getting people to go, you know what? She's right. I'm going to follow her. This is about a perpetual movement that does not end. And that's the point. It's not really about creating chaos. It's not really about ending policing. It's about just saying you're going to end policing. This is what demagoguery is. And, you know, in its best form political rhetoric and we have to be smarter than that just like when people come and they're like they're coming after your guns listen i understand that they're trying to limit access to guns and many of them if they had their way would take guns away so you have to stand up for that 
But the reality of somebody from the government actually coming and taking your guns is slim, very remote. Now, that doesn't mean it didn't happen. I saw it happen. Hurricane Katrina. Sheriff's office went around with the state police and they said, hey, look, if you guys got guns in this area, you're going to have to give them up. And I saw people giving them up just like that. They didn't shoot any sheriff's deputies. They didn't shoot any state troopers. They just said, yep, here, here you go. And they eventually got him back. And I'm not endorsing that or encouraging that. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying I've seen it happen. Come for your guns. But I'm not saying that's happening. And in a case like this, where they're using the exact opposite, saying, oh, it's all about racism, racism, racism. And it's not racism to say that this guy looks like a gangbanger, so we're going to check this guy out. That's called common sense. And we have to have more of that. Because otherwise, this racial reckoning is going to destroy America. And I don't think that's their aim. They're just aimlessly seeking power. And apparently, at all costs. And that's what makes it dangerous. Anyway, keep it locked right there because you know what? Texas has some really big news and I want to share that with you. Keep uh, in touch with me if you can, at Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all the social media. And thank you for all the subscriptions and for sharing this podcast with your friends and family. Continuing to grow. I really appreciate it, especially with the uh, big tech suppression that we have out there. I could tweet this out a million times and it gets such little traction unless you guys send it via inbox and Instagram and all that stuff that you do, text messages, email emails with links to hear the podcast. Uh, That's really what's working. So I thank you, each and every one of you, for doing that. Keep it locked right there. I'm Rich Valdez. We're just getting started. This is America. This is America. Para Inglés, o primo número dos. Para Rich Valdez. Y esto es America. Ahora. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all the social media. Make sure you subscribe to the Rumble channel if you get a chance. We're putting up as much content as we can, video content on there. And uh, I want you to be able to give me your thoughts and feedback on that. And what's interesting is there's news coming out of Texas that contradicts what Joe Biden said a couple of months ago, right? You remember, I think it was March 2nd, and if we could find the audio, we'll play it, where Joe Biden says... This is too fast. Don't be stupid and act like a Neanderthal. And of course, he was referring to Governor Greg Abbott ending the mask mandate in the state of Texas. Well, lo and behold, here we are, middle of May, and uh, Texas reports zero COVID deaths for the first time following Biden's Neanderthal thinking comment. I think it's a big mistake. Look, I hope everybody's realized by now these masks make a difference. We are on the cusp of being able to fundamentally change the nature of this disease because of the way in which we're able to get vaccines in people's arms. We've been able to move that all the way up to the end of May to have enough for every American to get every adult American to get a shot. And the last thing, the last thing we need is the Neanderthal thinking that in the meantime, everything's fine. Take off your mask. Forget it. It still matters. I carry a card and I don't have it. I put it on my desk. As of last, as of yesterday, we had lost 511,874 Americans. We're going to lose thousands more. This will not occur. We'll not have everybody vaccinated until sometime in the summer. We have the vaccine to do it. Getting a shot in someone's arm and getting a second shot, you're going to take time. And it's critical, 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 critical that they follow the science. Wash your hands, hot water, do it frequently. 
wear a mask and stay socially distanced. And uh, I know you all know that. I wish the heck some of our elected officials knew us. This is a piece by Matt Palumbo on Bongino.com. After Texas allowed all businesses to reopen at full capacity back in March, President Joe Biden blasted the decision as a huge mistake, describing it as Neanderthal thinking. The last thing that we need is Neanderthal thinking. Right? That's what he said. In the meantime, everything's okay. Take your mask off. Forget it. It still matters, he said. Now, daily Texas coronavirus numbers were around 30,000 in January and had crashed below 10,000 when Texas decided to fully reopen businesses. Common sense would suggest that when the relative risk of something decreases, the precautions you take against it will decrease as well. Yeah, that's common sense, you would think. But this is uh, difficult for many. MSNBC's Joy Reid described Texas Governor uh, Greg Abbott as the absolute worst, quote unquote, following his reopening decision and the daily coronaviruses in the state have fallen another 90% since her comment. So now, for the first time since the pandemic began, and t- just two months after being blasted for Neanderthal thinking, Texas has logged zero coronavirus deaths for the first day ever. Isn't that something? I mean, I think that's absolutely uh, a huge achievement. And it shows that not about mass work versus not working, but that we can restore normalcy. America's making a comeback. And not because of Joe Biden and his silly comments where he says that if it wasn't for his pioneering leadership to get the masks, I mean, to get the vaccines out there, where would we be, right? You heard that one. But good old Joe Biden, not only does he take credit for stuff that he really didn't do, but he's also threatening people that haven't gotten a vaccine. And I know many of the people who listen to this program don't want to get a vaccine. So Joe Biden is threatening you. Listen to this. If the unvaccinated get vaccinated, they will protect themselves and other unvaccinated people around them. If they do not, states with low vaccination rates may see those rates go up, may see this progress reversed. Ultimately, those who are not vaccinated will end up paying the price. The vaccinated will continue to be protected against severe illnesses, but others may not be if you're not vaccinated. But given that the vaccination is convenient and free, it'll be a tragedy if to, and a needless one to see COVID cases among those who do not get vaccinated go up. So Biden thinks that threatening people is the way to go, right? That's going to get people to be vaccinated. And if you're not, man, we're going to put you in a concentration camp run by FEMA. Now, those are my words, not his. I'm being hyperbolic. I have to clarify because someone to try and take it out of context. But my point is, This threatening action, this fascistic behavior, it's like, you know, this is what people wanted. Is this what America is all about, where we're going to threaten you? I mean, I think it's okay to threaten Iran. I think it's okay to threaten um, to enforce border security. I don't think it's okay to threaten the citizenry of the United States. I just don't think it's the way to go. I think it's a good idea to support federalism, to say, you know what? The federal government's going to butt out and the states are going to do what the states do. And we're going to let the states do what they did. And I'm glad that the CDC said, look, if you're fully vaccinated. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site. 
out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500, or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC, we are professional grade. Go outside without a mask. Now good luck proving which of those maskless people are vaccinated and which are not. And that'll be a different story for a different day. But that's where we are now. Now, interestingly, speaking of masks and whatnot, I uh, put a video up on Rumble, which I thought was pretty interesting. It's from a few days ago, where this girl, 16 years old, the school board requires them to play basketball and practice their basketball games with a mask on. And the girl felt increasingly uh, flustered and flush as she uh, was, you know, running up and down the court. And she said, you know what? I need to breathe. And they told her, you can't take off your mask to take a breath here. You better go in the locker room if you want to take your mask off. So on her way to the locker room, she decides, okay, I'm going to take my mask off. And she falls flat on her face, collapses, 16-year-old athlete, a girl named Savannah Lay. Now, this poor girl, I I think to myself, I have a daughter that's about to be 16, and it's just, um, as a parent, you think it's, it's heartbreaking, obviously. But you look at that, and then her mom brings up these, you know, pearls of wisdom and just says, you know, it's funny, the NCAA athletes and other athletes, uh, when they're sitting on the sideline, when they're on the bench, they have a mask on. But while they're physically running, they're not wearing masks. Why do we have standards like that for them, but not for some of our younger athletes? And I think, duh, it's always a good idea to listen to your mother, or in this case, a mother. A mother of three that knows what she's talking about. So I think this is um, one of those things that we've got to stop being stupid, America. We've really got to embrace just a little bit of common sense. And even if it's uncommon, let's just go with logic. Let's go with the most logical option. Because having teenagers run up and down a basketball court to practice their sport, to end up passing out and having an, uh, a hypoxic episode, is uh, it's unwarranted. It's totally unnecessary, and it's just, uh, in my opinion, it's just wrong. So anyway, keep it locked right there. I want to get into another topic about what's going on here in New York. So don't move a muscle. We're not done yet. I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. What's up, America? Welcome back. I am Rich Valdez. Bienvenido. Valdez with an S on all the social media. And if you want to keep up with all of the, any missed episodes, you can always go to richvaldez.com. The richvaldez.com is our flagship website where you can get just all the updates. If uh, any TV appearances I've done, podcasts that I've done, articles that we want to share, we put it all on there. And of course, you can get us on all the social media platforms. And I encourage you to give us a follow at Rich Valdez and the Rumble channel so that we can uh, stay up to speed and you know keep in touch because this big tech stuff, it's hard. It's really hard to, to get the message out, but because of you, we're able to do it and I thank you for it. Now, you guys know I broadcast out of New York. Now, New York City has a lot going on. New York State has a lot going on. Essential Andy Cuomo has made a million dollars, over a million dollars on a book that grossed five million bucks. And only sold 50,000 copies. Not to mention that he claims his staff, which are paid for the administration of government in New York, volunteered in their private personal time, in their private personal capacity, to help him write and sell and distribute the book. 
Oh, isn't that fancy and convenient for you, sir? Essential Andy Cuomo from the Essential Andy Cuomo podcast. Now, that, of course, started out as a joke where I thought, you know, this guy sounds like he's doing a podcast with these daily 1130 a.m. coronavirus briefings. And it turns out he ends up winning an Emmy Award for doing his job and having a press conference every day. So that's Essential Andy because he decides what's essential and what's not. And right now he decided it was essential to get this book out that only sold 50,000 copies. Now, the great one, Mark Levin... I think he's something at like 70,000 copies sold and the book doesn't come out till July. What does that say about lessons on leadership, Mr. Essential Andy Cuomo? I think you can learn a lesson or two from people that do it better. Anyway, speaking of New York, Andrew Giuliani, Giuliani is running for governor in New York against Andrew Cuomo. Now, that's another Andrew, Andrew Giuliani, and he was just on this program, This Is America, two weeks ago, telling us he was strongly considering it, and he's made his announcement this morning, and he's done it. So I want you to hear what he had to say. I think it's time that New York get turned around. I'm sick and tired of seeing New Yorkers leaving to Florida, to Texas, to Tennessee, and I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that New York is not just the cultural center of the world again, but the economic center of the world. Now, speaking of New York, you've got a mayoral race that's going on. You've got crazy people like Maya Wiley. You guys have seen her. She's a radical from MSNBC. And I would see her and I'd say, man, she's probably one of the most radical left-leaning analysts that they would have on MSNBC. And now she's running for mayor of New York. She's actually pushing guys that were once sort of moderate, you know, former cop like Eric Adams. They're pushing him to the left. Instead of saying how he's going to help New York or even talking about his record as Brooklyn Borough President, I heard a campaign ad the other day. and I was in the car. I was on the radio. And he says, elect me because I'm going to help end the racism that our children face in New York City public schools. And I'm thinking, if anybody knows anything about anything, one of the least racist places is New York City public schools. I mean, it's difficult to be racist because they're so commingled. And there's, it's not like, when I went to high school, if there were 10 African Americans in New Jersey, I went to North Bergen High School, that was a lot. It was a very Hispanic area that uh, had evolved from being like an Italian area. So that was interesting. If you go to like West New York, New Jersey, you're not going to find a black neighborhood. It's all Hispanic. And that's just how the neighborhood is. But that's not how it is when you go to New York City public schools. In New York City public schools, you get everything. I was talking to Mr. Producer, Rich Cementa, and he was talking about the, the godmother of his one of his kids and blah, 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 and they hung out at a bar this weekend. And he said, you know, when I hang out with them, it's great. Uh, the, the one guy, we've got our black friend, the, uh, person, the other person is uh, South Asian, Indian, and he said it's like hanging out in the United Nations when we get together because there's so many different ethnicities, people from all over the place. And I thought, yeah, because that's how New York is. It literally is a melting pot. Now, if you're listening to me from across this beautiful land of America and you live somewhere where every one of your neighbors looks a lot like you, that's fine. That's how your neighborhood looks. But when I was in kindergarten, to my left, I had a kid named Osama Marrero, part Egyptian, part Dominican. To my uh, other side, Mark Shulman, white Jewish kid. Who was the other kid? Haitian kid. Stan Hope Ellis. I mean, it was and another kid, a Haitian kid, darker in complexion, Dean Moet. Th- these are all great kids. I remember them all from kindergarten. We had lots of fun. They would make us take a nap every day on these little plastic mats and nobody would go to sleep and I would sit there and make these guys laugh. And, and my point is, I grew up from that age, four or five years old, 
you know, next to Arabs, next to Jews, next to black people, Christians, people of all sorts of faiths, Muslims. It was not uncommon for me. So when you say New York City public schools, where I met all these people, are racist, and you get a guy that's a former cop and a former uh, and a current borough president and doesn't run on his record but runs on racism because Maya Wiley's pushing him to the left, I think it's only going to open up an opportunity for people in New York City. And there's a, a, a poll that just came out, a survey, that says that uh, I think it was something like 70% of Democrats that were surveyed said that New York City is a dangerous place and they don't want to defund the police. And you got one candidate that's out there pounding his chest. Curtis Sliwa, founder of the Guardian Angels, my buddy from the uh, WABC radio, who's out there running for mayor saying, you know what, we're going to turn things around. We're not going to retreat from New York, but we're going to defend New York. I think he's got a good shot. And I think he's going to win the Republican primary. And if you want to learn more about him, go ahead and follow him at Curtis Sliwa on Twitter and you can get all the updates and whatnot on his campaign. But to me, it brings up the, the bigger picture of what the left is doing. And with Curtis leading the pack, it's, you know, it's politics as usual in New York, right? You've got establishment rhinos battling insurgent conservatives in other areas like city council races. This one council race in Queens that uh, I saw a video on Facebook. And if we can grab the audio and put it in, we will. But uh, one gentleman who I've I've actually spoken with in the past, I, I wouldn't have expected that. But he's posted up in front of a campaign office and he's collecting signatures. Now you're thinking, well, what's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. There isn't unless you're with a different campaign, right? So it's kind of like saying, uh, you know, you post up in front of the Trump campaign headquarters and you're collecting signatures for Mitt Romney. Huh? Mitt Romney of all people, big rhino. So that was what happened to uh, Vicky Palladino, who's running for New York City Council. Her campaign office had a couple of people that were posted up in front with a clipboard and as people passed by thinking that they were working and representing Vicky Palladino for New York, instead they were with another candidate, a different slate of candidates uh, that were part of the uh, establishment GOP. Not these insurgent conservatives that are looking to shake things up and do things and put America first, put New York first, put their neighborhoods first. I think it's shameful, honestly. Uh, for somebody to do that, you know, collect signatures right in front of their primary rival's office. But I guess they say all is fair in love and war and politics. But that video is posted on Vicky Palladino for New York City's um, Facebook, and you can go check that out. These dirty tricks have been ongoing in politics. And some people say it's politics as usual. Others say they're desperate, underhanded trickery. I don't know how to come down on that. I do believe that people should have kuth. I do believe that people should do the right thing. I also believe that we have to fight fire, not with fire, but with water, right? <laughs> if the left is doing something, I think we need to call out the left exactly on how they're doing it. So now I'm bringing it back to the culture war. I don't, you know, I'm not opposed to getting in front of AOC's office and calling out AOC and doing these things to let her voters know a different set of ideas. I think sometimes we have to be a little bit bold and share those ideas and have that courage. But I don't think it's a good idea for the Romney people to go in front of the Trump campaign because I think you should have some coof. Now, I don't think I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth. I think that there's a time and a place. Now, I'm not necessarily always going to go out in front of AOC's office, but I would if she would dodge debates, 
which in the past she has. I've invited her on this program. She wouldn't do. Uh, at one time, I considered running against her. I even tried to introduce myself, but she ran across the street. Uh, it was during a parade. I mean, she was shaking hands with a million people. I figured I'd shake her hand, say hello, and she bolted. And that's a different story for a different day, and I've shared it in the past, but maybe I'll share it next month because next month, I think it'll be two years since that happened. But my point is, I think we've got to look at things not as black and white all the time, but as gray and, and decide what's right and what's wrong. Clearly, I think what these guys did in Queens is wrong. You know, uh, duping, unsuspecting in in the video. It's a gentleman. He's probably like 55, 60 years old. And he tells him, take my name off your list. I thought you were with them because you were in front of their office. I wanted to sign their petition because I'm voting for her. And there, and the guy starts hugging the the uh, the clipboard. And he's like, no, no, no. It's my property now. You signed it. I, these are my papers. I'm not letting it go. And it's like, wow. Is this what Republicans and Queens are resorting to. I mean, it's very sad. It makes us all look bad. So I think they should not have done that. And uh, hopefully in hindsight, they'll look at that and say, you know, well, yeah, and, you know, in retrospect, it was a bad idea. But it doesn't change the idea that we as a people need to be bold. And the way the left operates, if there's a contentious election in Podunk, Iowa, everybody's flying into Podunk, Iowa to help win that race. And I'm wondering... Where are all of our conservative friends flying in to help good Republicans, conservatives, insurgent conservatives that are looking to shake things up like Curtis Sliwa, Vicky Palladino, even uh, Andrew Giuliani, Lee Zeldin that are running for public office in New York? I don't think we can always rely on the party to send people out here. I think we, we as individuals, we have to say, you know what, maybe I could send this guy a check or maybe... I could take my vacation and go help them knock on doors. I could go help them put up signs. I could go help them be another body. So when they have a bunch of clowns, like what happened to Vicky Palladino, people just show up in front of your place, that you have bodies and you have people and there's strength in numbers. This is what we have to do as conservatives. And I realize that nobody wants to do that or very few people want to do it. It's easy to say, oh, I'm retired. Oh, I've got kids. Oh, I got a job. I'm not going to fly to New York to help him win an election. That's a lost cause. Well, guess what? Trump did it. Trump left New York, went right into the swamp, put his family at risk, put himself at risk. That's the example. And I say it time and time again. He didn't say, oh, I'm too old. He said, I'm 70-something, supermodel wife, penthouse apartment, right here, Fifth Avenue, beautiful building with my name on it. I'm leaving. I'm going into the swamp. I'm going to have the biggest fights I've ever had in my career. I'm going to have them in Washington. They're going to try and destroy my reputation. They're going to try to destroy my wealth. They're going to try and destroy my family. They're going to try and put my kids in jail. It's about sacrifice for all of us. I'm not preaching at you. I'm speaking with you. We all have to sacrifice something so that we can move forward. Because if we stand for nothing, we will fall for anything. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph, that's Lord Acton and Sir Edmund Burke, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. So don't let that happen. Make a difference today. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America.
Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. 